I'm Jimmy Johnson, and welcome to the Stay in the Course podcast. I'm an award-winning journalist, motivational speaker, spiritual leader, blogger, and now a podcaster. In this podcast, my hope is to introduce you to some of the most influential thought leaders around the globe, all here to inspire, uplift, and motivate you to fulfill your purpose and make a difference on this earth. Your call to stay the course. On this episode of the Stain the Course podcast, we're taking it from the East Coast to the West Coast to a city northeast of Los Angeles, Pasadena, California, the city of roses, also the home of singer, songwriter, producer, and musician who has toured and played with some of the top Christian artists of today. Names like Tasha Cobbs, Matt Redman, Israel Houghton, and Amanda Cook. He's also worked with some of the most influential churches in the country. Now this husband, father of one, and friend of mine is focusing more on producing his own musical talents. In fact, on July 9th, he's releasing his very first single, No You Won't, on all platforms. Let's welcome Pierre Aristel to the Stain the Course podcast. Hey, what's up, Jimmy? Thanks for having me, man. It's awesome to have you on the show. Uh, it's been a long time, man. You know, when you were here in South Florida, I would see you all the time. But now you're on the West Coast, different time zone, three hour difference. So it's good to have you on the podcast and really just to catch up to see what you're working on. Yeah, man. It's been really cool being actually on the West Coast. So I've always heard people say the best is in the West. Right. And I thought, man, that's whack until I actually lived in the West. And I have to say, man. The best actually is in the West. I lived in the South. I lived in Florida. I lived in New York. I lived in the Midwest several times. And now I'm living in California. And dude, like, I'm loving it. I really am. (laughs) And I actually had a chance to come and visit you, your wife, and your son, me, and my fiance at the time, now my wife, uh, Pascal. Um, And we visited Pasadena. And it's absolutely beautiful. But man, it's dry. It is dry. And actually, right now, it's getting pretty hot a little earlier than normally like you know what i mean like the other day it was probably 98 um just in the early afternoon and by three or four o'clock i mean it was like 101 and we're in june right now man so uh it's it's sweaty but it's still better than west palm beach i mean it, it beats that humidity in my opinion you know yeah man you leave us and now you're talking bad about us <laughs> But hey, man, let's jump right into this interview. So how long have you been playing music? For those out there who are listening, uh, give us a little bit about your music history. You know, when did you start playing? Yeah. So um, honestly, I've been playing my whole life. I actually, for example, the the keys, for example, the piano. um, I actually don't remember ever taking lessons or the day I learned it or picked it up. My dad is classically trained. You know, um, for those of you that don't know, I'm uh, I'm Haitian. I was born actually here in the States, but my parents were born and raised in Haiti. And my dad, he he, he grew up playing in Haiti and, he, you know, he played so well to where like missionaries would come from America. They enjoyed his playing like they would pay him to play at a local Haitian church, which that was rare back then. Um, and I mean, they enjoyed him so much that they even helped him come here to the States, to America. And with that, that was the birth of the family. We live off of music. And so I grew up playing the drums, of course, in church. And I grew up playing piano. My dad, the first instrument that my dad put in my hand was a violin. Wow. I played the violin at an early age in elementary. Yeah. Um, I actually um, auditioned for middle school, the arts there in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I made it at 
obviously in, in the, from the fifth grade and I, I got there sixth grade to eighth grade and I played the violin and then played in orchestras. My dad had orchestras like, I mean, bro, I was 13, 14 traveling locally just with my dad. We did funerals and weddings. I honestly can't tell you how many dead bodies I've seen like before I was <laughs> <laughs> before I was 17. I did funerals and banquets and like parties and all these formal events, orchestras. And then, you know, the the violin got a little weird for me. Like I was a little kid. I thought, man, I was like, violins are for girls, right? <laughs> like, not, not a sexy instrument, right? Right. I was like, man, I can't get girls with the violin. So <laughs> I switched to like the upright bass. My dad introduced me to the upright bass classically. And then it got too- As if that's any better. Right. <laughs> well, the thing was so big um, and with traveling locally, we couldn't carry around everywhere because he was bringing so many different other instruments. So- that's where he introduced me to the electric bass and the rest was history from there, man. I fell in love with the bass and um, I, I mas mastered it as a young teen. Like, you know what I mean? I learned my first book. I, I finished the first book in the first day. Three weeks later, I was playing in church and two months later, I was actually teaching people that was twice my age. I remember being 15 and I had students that was like 32, 33, right? That's crazy. Um, and the rest was history from there, man. Man, it seems like you guys had the Jackson Five. I don't, I don't know how many siblings you have. I know that you have at least one sister and one brother. Yeah, actually, it's five of us. I have <laughs> the Jackson <it's>, Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this case, it'd be the Aristotle Five, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's me, my two brothers, and then my two sisters, and we, you know, we all play music. Everyone either writes or produces or, or plays or teaches or something like that. So it's in our blood, man, and it it really changed the course. It changed the course of, of my life, man, like when I was introduced to music like that. That's awesome, bro. And, you know, it takes commitment to play, you know, multiple instruments. And I remember playing music growing up, but I didn't take it as seriously as you did. And I probably should because <laughs> I probably would have been pretty good. I played the trumpet. I played the snare drum at one time. I played baritone. But, man, I didn't get any further than uh, high school with that. Um, but name all of the instruments you can play because I know you can play quite a few. Yeah, so I play drums. Um, actually, I played drums at an early age, and then my younger brother, he was playing drums too, and he got better than me. So I, I actually got a little bit embarrassed, and I just quit the drums. Um, <laughs> so, right? Um, Pride. Yeah, e exactly. So I quit the drums, but I still play it. Um, every now and then, like, you know, I remember I was a music director at a church recently, and our drummer got a flat tire on the way to church and I was actually leading worship up front on acoustic. I put my acoustic down in rehearsal. I let the other singers lead and I jumped on drums and played the whole service on drums. That was last year actually. So I still play drums. Um, I play piano um, um, or keys, all the synthesizers, like all that type of stuff. I do play bass. I play bass. Uh, I play, um, let's see what else. I play the guitar, of course. Uh, I, I still play the violin, like I fiddle in it. Get it? Fiddle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> I play the violin. And then honestly, that's it. Of course, I sing as well. Um, but right now I'm really focusing on a lot of production. So that entails a lot of piano because you can play multiple instruments. Right. Uh-huh. So like just come, you know, kind of walk us through the day in the life of Pierre. I know obviously you're married and you have a son, um, what does your morning look like, you know, for someone who is a musician who uh, puts in a lot of practice? Because, man, if you look at your social media um, page, it looks like you play music all day. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, honestly, music is it's part of it's part of my life, man. It's part of my life. It's part of, you know, the storytelling, you know. Um, so I'll normally wake up depending on the day. I have my alarm set up for 6 a.m. every single day, even if I have no place to go that day. 6 a.m. is when I have my alarm set up. Now, let me say that doesn't mean I wake up at 6 a.m. every single day. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I do hit that snooze. I can relate. You know, <laughs> some days I'll hit the snooze, but 6 a.m. is when my alarm is set up. Um, I like just waking up, having some quiet time, getting my mind together. I believe that in the morning, that's when your mind is the most alert. You know what I mean? And so and 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 before the craziness of life come at you, you know, before everyone else wakes up on social media and the phones get in the way. And then, you know, um, and I live downtown Pasadena. So, you know, the cars and the trucks and all the people and uh, helicopters and stuff. So before all the noise, I like to just get up put my mind together. And then typically I'll go to the gym. Um, I, I try to do the gym like six days a week. Sometimes I'll do five, just depends on the week, you know? Um, and then I'll have quiet time. Honestly, in the gym, people laugh at me at this, but sometimes I'm listening to like nothing, like straight chill music, or I'll listen to podcasts, you know, to kind of get my mind together. Um, and then from there, man, on, I come home. Norm typically I'm with my son. Um, I'm actually the one that gets him with like ready in the mornings. Um, I'll make them breakfast. I'll take them to school, things like that. Or we'll go on a bike ride. Sometimes I'll bring them to the gym with me too as well. And then from there throughout my day, I'm normally with somebody. I normally have like someone I'm mentoring or a friend that I'm just hanging out with like, like for that day. And then I have different projects. I do a lot of freelance work too. So it depends on the day. Sometimes I may have sessions. I may have a meeting. I may have a rehearsal or something like that. Um, I'll normally try to break in the afternoon to have lunch with my wife. She works actually here downtown West Palm Beach. She's a hairdresser. So I'll, I'll try to have lunch with her sometimes. And you said downtown West Palm Beach. You still living in West Palm oh, Beach? Well, <laughs> 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 oh, man, I said West Palm Beach, didn't I? That, that's crazy. <laughs> hey, hey, West Palm Beach is actually my home, man. It's my home. I love that place, man. Um, will I move back for everyone that's wondering? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I will not move back. But I said downtown West Palm. That's funny. Downtown Pasadena. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what my day typically looks like towards the end of the day. You know, my wife and I were very intentional about ending the, the day together. You know, so after we put my son down to sleep, you know, we'll normally sit on the couch and we'll unwind together. We'll, 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 like we'll talk about the day. Like we'll talk about what was a win throughout the day? What was a loss? Like, where can we improve? Like, what's the plan for tomorrow? We never go to bed at night without planning the next day. Because I've learned if you don't plan the next day, you know, if you don't plan the next day, the day is going to take control of itself. So if you can take control of the day before, it's like waking up in the morning saying, uh, do I want to go to the gym today? Most likely you're not going to go. But if you tell yourself the night before, here's my plan for tomorrow. Nine times out of 10, you'll probably stick with your plan because you did the, you planned it out before the day came. So that's what we do. That's, that's how we end our day. You know, that's good, man. And I know you're a man of God and I didn't hear you mention anything about praying or reading the Bible, but I guess because you're, it's so grained in your system, you know, that's not something you even have to mention. It's, it's just a part of your everyday life. Bro, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed it. I don't set specific time aside to pray. The Bible says pray without cease. So for me, I see it as we pray all the time. So today there wasn't a time when I got on my knees to pray. I'm going to confess that. But bro, it's almost one o'clock PM here. And I have prayed several times already today. 
when I woke up, I was like, God, thank you for today. While I'm going, like while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm just like, wow, Lord, thank you. Thank you for yesterday. I'm praying with my son as we're walking. Like the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy, it talks about like ingrain this, bind it on your heads, put it on the door frames of your house. Like, so it's actually part of my life, man. I went to go post something here on Instagram. And right when I hit send, I said, Lord, I'm sending this through you. Like that's praying. So I never put official amen at the top of the day. I'm just praying all day long. And you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And you know what? Today I got on my Bible app. I was actually reading on my Bible app. I went, I went through several verses, but just like you said, because it's ingrained, it's, it's part of who I am. It's not a religious act. It's just what I do. That's good, man. That's good for those people out there who are, who are wondering, because I know, you know, some of the people who know you be like, man, he ain't even mentioned nothing about reading his Bible. <laughs> that's cool <laughs> maybe i didn't read my bible <laughs> and that's all right you know we, we're imperfect people more of the staying in the course podcast after this animate your words an easy way for authors and speakers to show up and stand out on social media if you're not getting their attention someone else will go to philashley.com to schedule a chat are you a busy mom college student or businesswoman in need of a solution for your hair needs then Lux Hair has high quality, low maintenance, and easy to install custom luxury wigs, sure to make your morning routine a breeze. Visit LuxHairCollection.net for a free consultation. Just thinking about, you know, all the times that I uh, spent with you, you know, um, when you're, you and your wife and your son were here in West Palm Beach, you used to lead this, uh, you know, Bible study group. And we talked about just numerous different topics, um, just about stuff that was just going on in life. And I know, um, you know, like most people, you've had, um, you know, tragedy that has hit your life. And then there's been moments of triumph, uh, you know, successful things that have happened in your life. Um, what are some of those things that um, looking back on now that you would say has helped you, one, uh, be the man that you are and um, kind of kept you staying the course? Yeah, that is a really cool question, man. Um there's been a lot of transitions, honestly, in in my life. There's been a lot of shifts, too, at the same time. And honestly, I could even say there's been detours as as we're here on this podcast. And we're, you know, of course, it's called staying the course. You know, I would love to say that I've stayed on course all the way through. And you know what? That's that's debatable, too, because some of my argue say, well, you know, if God is in control, God is running everything. It's all according to his plan. And that is true at the same time. But for our minds as humans, you know, we think we made mistakes. We think like certain things happen and it, it didn't happen um, by accident or happened on purpose, you know. And so there's been some things that's happened. Like I remember um, my wife and I, when we first got married in 2010, um, we got married and we was just careless. We wasn't even thinking about two months later, she we're sitting in the car and she's like, babe, I'm pregnant. And like, I did cuss. I did. Um, uh, I don't remember what I said, but it wasn't nice. <laughs> I was really upset. Normally people would say, wow, oh my gosh. And you know what? Some people might throw stones at me and say, that's not right. There are people that can't get pregnant. And, you know, here you are getting upset. And to me, I'm like, everyone is called to walk their own journey. Yeah. And for me, I remember thinking that wasn't a part of the plan. Come on. That wasn't a part of the plan. And Honestly, it was so scary because Jimmy, when I tell you this, I never wrote or produced a song 
when she told me that we were just, you know, newlyweds, just living the dream honeymoon phase. Right. That's what they call it. And we was just chilling, having fun. I was just working my job, just coming in and out. Just, you know, I put on about 20 pounds of weight. Just we just having fun. And about two weeks later, um, a tragedy happened, man. We we lost a baby and I had so much mixed emotions, man. I was happy. I was sad. I was depressed. So many different things. And bro, it was a wake up call. I felt like it was God saying, you get another chance. Wake up and do something. It was literally a wake up call for us, bro. After that time, I bought my computer for the very first time. I never owned a computer at that time. I, I bought a computer, started writing, started producing. I learned all the equipment that I needed. My wife, you know, she's a hairdresser. Um, she started grinding, started doing more weddings, started doing freelance work. And that was almost 10 years ago. That was actually nine and a half years ago. And we never looked back, man. It was a wake up call and it put us on course to where we are now. Wow, man. And your wife is a very talented cosmetologist, just like my wife, which is pretty interesting considering that we're friends and we both married to a cosmetologist. So we know our wives always look good. Yep. Yep. <laughs> staying the course to some people may mean staying on one job, staying in one profession, staying in one area. But what does staying the course mean to you? So when I think of course, I think of I think of being going on a road trip, right? We're going on a road trip and we're going somewhere. And when you go on a road trip, you take you have pit stops. There's sometimes you stop longer than other stops. But I just see it as as I'm going through this journey and it's a road trip. Right. And we're we're trying to make it there. And I've learned for us as a family and for everyone else, this might be different, but like, you know, the term, right, man, we made it or like when I make it. And for us, for the Aristotle family, we've learned making it is not until we die and we make it to heaven. Like for us, that's making it. You know, I I've struggled with that for so long because I was like, man, I can't wait to make it. And, and, and then it hit me. I was like, make it where as we're going through this journey. Right. As we're on this course, as we're on this course. It's a full journey. You know, there's going to be some stops that we take longer than others. Some stops where we actually decide to camp. You know, we see ourselves as pilgrims. Actually, that's that's what we talk about. Like we're like pilgrims. And so we set up tents everywhere we go. And for others, it's different. For others, they feel like, hey, all right, we feel good exactly where we are. But I've learned a long time ago in life, you're only going two directions. You're either going up or you're going down. Right. There's none of this like just this this flat line. We're just going straight like. You know, like you can look at your spouse and say, babe, I think we're exactly where we want to be. I think let's just chill right here right now. Let's just stay here for the next 30 years. No, it's it's either you're going up or you're going down. I've learned that. And so staying the course means for me is as we're going through this journey, as we're on this road trip, there will be some times where we stop and we sit there for a little bit. We rest, we refuel, we learn, right? If we're in a car, right? We change our tires. We learn something new, right? We might have to upgrade certain things in our lives, gather some things, and we continue the journey. And I've had people in my past made me feel bad for that thought. I thought, man, I'm uprooting my family. I'm pulling them out. I'm taking them out from where they need to be. And we're going somewhere else. And to me, I'm like, it's a part of the journey. Every place that we've lived, my wife and I, be, between the two of us, we've lived actually 
in six states between just the two of us, six states. Right. And for us, man, I don't regret one. I, there's not one thing I regret. Everything led to where we are now, man. If somebody would have told me 10 years ago that you'd be living in Los Angeles, California, I would say, man, get the heck out of here. Like how? That doesn't make sense. I've lived in so many different places, but now it all made sense. Right. So I couldn't skip one of the checkpoints. Right. Like, let's call them checkpoints on this journey. And so that's what staying the course means to me, man. Everything leads to the next thing. That's good. That's uh, some stuff that we should be able to tweet. <laughs> so is there a pivotal moment um, that that changed the course of your life? Um, I will say, let's see. That changed the course of my life. Man, that's a really cool question. Last year, a I was in a, a organization that I was a part of. And, you know, that's actually what moved us here to California. And after about 10 to 12 months, you know, we felt like it was time for us to go to the next checkpoint. You know, I felt like I did everything that I could there in that organization. I grew my team. I was actually even able to replace myself and work myself out of my role. And so we did this transition and that was the start to so much. I spent my last 10 years, man, building other people's visions, right? In which, of course, we feel called to do that. I think that's something that we all should be doing in our lives helping and serving others. However, at the same time, I believe we all have a baby inside of us. We all have something to birth. And if we neglect it, we can lose it, right? We like we can lose it. And so I've learned as I'm helping your baby, I need to find balance on how to serve and nourish and nurture my baby that I have. And so this past fall, um, that transition, right, was a big change in my life. It was a big change. We had to take my son out of school because obviously all of our finances was just shaken up. So I took our son out of private school and that was a huge change, bro. Huge, huge change. I went, we went from having him in school 40 hours a week to him being with daddy forever, like a hundred percent of the time. And I went through some depression. I battled a lot of different things and I was getting upset because man, I have to have my son with me. And one day, bro, it hit me. I don't have to have my son with me. I get to have my son with me. Yeah. Yeah. I get to have, I get to have my son. And bro, that changed the way I thought as a person, as a father. And in the last few months, I've come to a, a season in my life where I finally realized my purpose here on this earth, things that I'm called to do. And one of them is to father the next generation, which is my son. I have someone that has the potential to be a world changer. And here I am thinking, man, I have to have my son with me. And I realized, man, I have to bring him to rehearsal. You know, I, I have to bring him to a sound check. I have to bring him to work. No, I get to bring him to rehearsal with me so he can see how daddy works. I get to be in long, you know, hour long car rides, right? Because LA with the traffic, we're always in a car. I get to be with him in the car and teach him and pour into him. And that changed so many different things. My, that changed my mindset, man just in the last few months. And that even changes my relationship with my spouse and that changed the relationship with my friends, man. And so I'm in a season where I am valuing so much more things around me because of that, that, that pivotal moment that happened last, last season that shift everything in my schedule. And that's where I am now. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And I know just from like following you on social media that your son, Jordan, 
aka Juice, <laughs> is picking up instruments. Uh, I know he loves playing the drums. Yeah. And, you know, I know some parents may dread buying drumsticks and even a drum set for their kids because it's just like a noisemaker, especially. Yeah. Um, but man, I know he's soaking up all the stuff that you're showing him like a sponge because I remember right. him just running around, you know, aimlessly just doing his own thing. But now I see him growing up and I see him picking up some of the things that obviously you're the only person that taught him. Yeah. And it's just cool <laughs> to see uh, how he is growing and developing as a young man. More of the Staying in the Course podcast after this. We're just listening to No You Won't by Pierre Aristel. His new single out on July 9th on all platforms. Pierre, man, welcome back to the Stain of Course podcast. Where were you when you were writing this song? I know I've had a chance to kind of listen to it before it even hits the air where most people get to listen to the entire song, which is an honor. And I appreciate you allowing me to do that. Um, what was your like inspiration? Where were you mentally when you were writing this song? Oh, man. Um, so that the intro line, the first two lines in the intro where it says, what if the Lord had, um, had not been on my side? What if the Lord never heard my cry? I had that one day, I'd say about a year ago, it just popped in my head. It popped in my head and I sat on it for several weeks. It just came if it, like, it flowed out my mouth just like that. And I was thinking, wow, man, what does that mean? And I sat on that for a few months. I sat on that for a few months. And so um, the words started to flow. They started to flow throughout the lyrics, but they didn't mean anything to me. So I actually shelved the song. I sat for, for, for a couple of months and did nothing to it. It wasn't until recently I went through some situations, man. Um, just a lot of changes in my life, a lot of transitions. And I'm going to be honest. Um, I really questioned God. You know, I, I, I was actually really confused because I'm, I'm, I'm like, God, I feel like I follow you. I feel like I listen to you, but I don't see you. I hear the words that I get from you sometimes. Right. But I'm like, I don't feel your hand. I, I like, like I hear you, but I don't feel you, you know? And, yeah. and I sat there, man, and I was really confused and I was frustrated, man. I was actually pretty frustrated and upset with God. I was actually, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to confess right now on the air. I was disappointed in God, but it wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Right. I put these standards. I'm like, hey, God, I feel like this is how you should do things. Here's how you should do your job. And he, he lets me down. I'm disappointed because he didn't go my way. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like self-inflicted. And one day I woke up and I, was, I felt really heavy. And I just started it, man. I got really emotional and just started to cry out to God at that point. I was like, God, where are you? Where are you? Everything is hitting us. You know, finances are hitting us. My marriage was on the line. Like, you know, my wife and I was arguing, fighting every single day. I was depressed as a father. Like I went through so many different things. And bro, I heard in my heart, I heard God say, I never left you. 
And man, I, I just balled up like a little kid and just like, wow. And that image of God saying, I never left you. I was there by your side. I was there by your side, holding on to you and I'll never let go. Wow. And these words started to flow. I started thinking like, wow, no, you like, you won't let go. Yeah. You won't let go. Like when I had none, I had you looking back through everything that I went through. You were the one that actually pulled me through. No, you won't let go. And that's how the song came. And then it all tied together and the rest was history. And that's good. And uh, when you were talking about the timing, you know, and I was on social media today and I was just browsing around and I saw this uh, post and it says, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. If it is God's time, you can't stop it. Mm. And it just had me thinking to like, wow, you know, so often we want to rush God in, you know, whatever we have going on in our life when most of the time we put ourselves in that situation because, you know, God didn't ordain this particular twist or turn in our lives. And then when we make that mistake, we're looking at him like, what are you going to do about it? And he's looking at us like, I didn't tell you to do that in the first place. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, you know, just listening to your song, I I believe it will encourage some people. And once they hear, um, you know, the place that you were in your life when you, you actually put this, you know, down on pen and paper and, and mixed it together, I think it will touch, uh, you know, touch lives. And for me, you know, when I write blog posts or share encouraging videos on Instagram or social media, I'm usually sharing um, something that I've walked through or I am going through at the time. Do you feel like with music and when writing a song that um, you you know, you put together lyrics and you pin words together based on situations in your life or are you just throwing words together? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I spent the last several years writing songs for other people, for other artists, for other organizations, different groups, trying to think, what do they want to say? What are they trying to put across? And so I've had other lyrics that, that I've sat on actually for the last decade. I have some songs that I've sat on for a few weeks, some months, and I tried to finish them for these other artists and I started realizing the reason why I can't finish them because they're my words. They're my words. And so um, I've learned right now that we're living in a time in a generation where people are looking for authenticity, right? They're looking for someone that's real. They're looking for someone that can talk from their heart, you know, and that's exactly where I am right now. So, bro, honestly, I'll have some lyrics that I'll start writing. I said, man, wow, this is heavy. And I'll go through a different season of my life and I can't finish those words because I'm not living those words. So I'll sit on those lyrics or I'll sit on a verse or, or a course idea. I'll sit on it for months, for months until emotionally, mentally, I am back in a state where I could relate to those lyrics. So to answer your question, um, I write only what I'm going through. So if I have some words that I'm not going through them yet, I'll just shelf it. I'll sit on it and wait for when I'm going through that situation again so that I can be real with those lyrics. Yeah, I feel like that's important. You know, a lot of times these days, you know, songs don't really have really any, um, they have meaning, but they don't have any power behind them. They don't have a story uh, attached to them. And I think people relate to people and people relate to stories. Yeah. And um, that's one of the reasons why I started this Stand of Course podcast is because I believe everyone has a story. 
And I believe everyone has a journey that they're going on and each journey is different. Yeah. And I believe when people are listening, um, hopefully that each episode adds value to them in a way that it can help them in some form or fashion um, to help them stay the course. And even if they make transitions that they'll have something to, to, you know, maybe listen to, to encourage them during a time. And, and I, and I believe that your story and, and your music uh, will do just that. Absolutely. So as a musician, um, what do you um, view as success? You know, some people say, hey, when I win a Grammy, that's success. But at the same time, once you hit that Grammy, what's next? So what is success for you musically? Um, success for me is um, connection. Connection. Like I want someone to connect. I want my lyrics to to resound like I want it to resonate with someone. You know, I say this term all the time and I'll probably say it forever. Every time I create something, I've learned that my music, my words, it's not for everyone, but it's for someone. I say that all the time. It's not for everyone, but it's for someone. Yeah. And that's all I care about. All If I know that there was someone out there that said, wow, man, I was going through something and your song gave clarity. You know, I actually I have a song that I'm working on right now, currently soon to be released, like within the fall. Um, I sent it to a friend of mine just for his feedback, actually, just his feedback. You know, he's one of my friends. You know, we've actually worked together. You know, we've written some songs together. And I said, hey, man, what do you think about this? He never sent me his feedback. You know what he texted me? He said, bro, I just got off a phone call and I was really contemplating the direction of where I should go with me, my family. And he said, your song right now just gave me peace. It just gave. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I sent it to him just for his feet. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's exactly. And to me, man, I got so emotional and he was like, bro, he said, I know the song's not done. He said, you wrote that song for me. I, I, I broke down. I said, oh my gosh, man. I said, thank you for your words. This is why I write my songs. That's what he said. He said, you wrote this song just for me. And that's, to me, that's the success. Oh, going after the one. Yeah. Going after the one. Well, Pierre, in this part of the uh, podcast, I do this thing where I ask people rapid fire questions. I have five questions for you. Some are just going to be, you just, you know, you just answer and others are going to be kind of fill in the blank, right? First one is musical instrument you can't go without. Ooh, bass, guitar. Favorite artist, musical artist. Ah, oh, man. I would have to say, ah, oh, man, that, I feel like this is a trap question. <laughs> um, I'd have to say right now I'm listening to a lot of Charlie Puth. Wow. Okay. Favorite artist. Number three. Uh, what would you like to be remembered for? Uh, I'd like to be remembered for my message, like my message, like the words that I spoke. That's good. What's your go-to snack? Oh, man. I, I'm i going to say peanut M&Ms. Peanut M&Ms. I could eat a whole bag, a whole, like not the little tiny baby bags. I'm talking about the big party size ones, peanut M&Ms, straight up. Number five, the least favorite meal your wife makes. <laughs> <laughs> um anything with like broccoli or corn or olives anything like that um she actually doesn't honestly i this is not me trying to brag but 
I think she knows better. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Lee, I'm sorry. I set him up for the trap. (laughs) Pierre, I appreciate having you on the podcast. What are some ways the listeners can follow you and stay up to date with your music? Instagram. um, Anyone can follow me, of course. It's at Pierre Aristu. You can follow me there on Instagram. I, I post a lot. It's not just about music. It's motivational stuff. It's things to inspire and equip people. And we have a lot of fun, too. We turn up. You know what I mean? Um, and then, of course, Facebook, but specifically Instagram. If, you, if you're connected to Instagram, we can stay connected. Anyone can message me. Most likely, I will write back. Um, yeah. Once again, if you enjoyed the sample of Pierre's new single titled No You Won't, make sure to download it on July 9th on all platforms. Pierre, thanks for being here. Bro, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it, man. I'm Jimmy Johnson, and you've been listening to the Stain the Course podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple, Google, and Spotify and subscribe, rate, and review the show today. And remember, you're called to stay the course.